Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. the boys in white and blue and we are back with another episode of their still time the AFTN soccer show broadcasting on CITR radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Muscombe territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia I'm Michael McCall I'm Steve Pander and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower and we are cock-a-hoop club football international football I was going to say all football, but East Fife and Wimbledon are crap at the moment. So most football that I watch, it's such an exciting time. We have a fever. But don't worry, it's not COVID. It's just World Cup fever. Because the draw is done. It's official. Canada are going to Qatar. We know who they're playing. Scotland might be going to Qatar. We know who they'll be playing if they do. And after all of this, there is only one burning question I have for you guys. When does the Panini World Cup sticker annual come out? <laughs> I genuinely cannot wait. I don't know. Have they announced that yet? No. I mean, it won't be the first sticky picture I've had of Alfonso Davies, but it'll be the first one I've had to put in, a, in an album. I wonder how many uh, representatives from the mascot verse will be, will be in yes, the Yes, the, the, par- the parallel universe where mascots <laughs> live. Now, to be honest, I wouldn't mind visiting there. Yeah, I, well, it was nice to see Golio. I haven't seen Golio since 2006. I, 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 I do. It needed more Stewie the Starfish, I've got to say. Well... Yeah, I don't. I think they were only dealing with the World Cup mascots in that segment. Mm. Well, in in this part, we're going to be turning our attention to the World Cup draw. We're going to be chatting about it. We're going to hear some audio from John Herdman, a couple of the players. Just look at how everything played out. Just our excitement levels. And then in the next part, we're going to be talking white caps in MLS and MLS Next Pro. And it's going to be a shorter than our usual shows because I'm bringing you out a midweek special as well ahead of the CPL season that kicks off on Thursday. We're going to be bringing you a show with some interviews from some head coaches around the league that we haven't brought you yet. So watch out for that dropping later this week. But this part, it's all about Canada. It's all about the World Cup. It it was an exciting time. On Friday morning, Zach, Steve, we were chatting away in our little WhatsApp group as everything was on. 
just to see Canada in a draw was tremendous. Having them picked out last was not my dream scenario, but ending up not the worst group they could have had. No, but well, the one thing I think we do need to talk about is how disappointing the the result in Panama was. Uh, because had they won that, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. If they'd won that, they would have been in pot three. Yes. Which would have made things better. Yeah, because Canada are ranked 38th, but they would have moved up, I believe, to 30th if they got the nine points from that win in Panama, which would have knocked Tunisia out of pot three, and yeah. it would have put them into pot three. That yeah. said, they could have still got a, a tricky team from pot four because they you, you don't know how things were, were going to end up. But, I mean, the, the other aspect of of the, the seeding and everything is they had so many constraints that we were working out, oh, well, Scotland can only be in this group or this group and Canada can only be in this group and this group and this group. And the way it works out, there's no groups of death. There's, there's no rivalries, Steve. There's, there's just... There's a lack of real excitement in some of these first round groups. I think the biggest one, probably rivalry rise, is probably the England group. Yeah, uh, with, for sure. With Iran, um, um, USA, US. and then possibly Scotland, because then yeah, it's almost, or or Wales even against England, but it, it will yeah. be Scotland. But it, like it, it, it's almost like a, it could be potentially like a, a Mexican standoff where everybody's got guns pointing at each other and, and crossing everything like that. So no, they're um, in Group C. Oh, that's right. Uh, but but uh, over like yeah, you're right. There, I think the it looked like at one point that the Spain Germany group was going to be the group of death, but that didn't end up being the case because the teams I think that were not highly thought of the ones that were pulled in after. Yeah, the, the, the most of the teams in pot three uh, and pot four were not that strong as strong as they used to be, and I think a lot of the up upsets during the qualifying probably played a big factor in that, uh, dropping uh, making teams move up in the in the pots. Uh, but overall, I think it's for Canada wise for me. Um, yes, it would have been great to be in, in pot three, but considering they, they finished in pot four and they're happy, the, the, the drawing they got could have been a lot worse. Um, there was a potential for a lot, like the teams, it's not going to be an easy group that they're in, but it's not as bad as it could have been for sure. Yeah. But we'll get into to who they will be, be playing shortly i just want to get your thoughts on the actual ceremony now i i've said in the show before i love a draw but i I do like a simple draw a lot of the pomp and circumstance i I can't be bothered with but i understand why you have to have it so there was some elements of this i found quite boring zach but on the whole i thought it was actually one of the the better draws Uh, just to go back to what you said before about constraints michael one of the reasons why the uh, i can't remember a world cup draw where the, the 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 playoffs haven't been completed. Now, obviously, we're yeah. in a special year and stuff. So usually, uh, some of the constraints that we saw wouldn't have been there, and it added a little bit more tension, and it lost the drama for Canada because with three three countries to go, you knew where Canada was going to end up. Yeah. But in terms of the event itself, it it, it was it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Um, I mean, Heimdall was the co-host, so that was kind of fun. Um, and then, um, yeah, the, the mascot verse. I showed my kids that later. They enjoyed that. I'm not quite sure how Jermaine Janus got that. Yeah, I, 
was no one else wanted to do it like I, 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 I had folk in Scotland messaging in a little chat that we have there going how is he there <laughs> I only I didn't know he was a pundit until you told me or whatever. So I was like, oh okay. Well, I, I oh. liked the, the like the other English girl who I didn't know who she was either. Who said we, we've got somebody that's a very storied footballer, meaning <laughs> Carly Lloyd, and, and we've got Jermaine Genius as well. <laughs> yeah, um, the, yeah. The the, the 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 footballers they had weren't spectacular. I mean, Cafu, good. Um, Lothar Mateus, yeah, I would oh, say good, uh, good, as a, good as a player. Um, uh, who else was there? Tim Cahill, not okay, not bad. Who, oh, Ali Dai, good. Um, but the other ones were I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know them so well, and they didn't. For, I for mean, me, one was local. Yeah, for, for me though, you need to have Rod Stewart at a draw. Oh well, a drunk Rod Stewart. intoxicated Rod Stewart. <laughs> yeah, a drunk Rod Stewart representing Scotland. Or Willie Johnson, if you can't get Rod Stewart, like get get one of those guys along. That's what I felt it needed. I, I will say though, talking about the constraints as well, whether it's Scotland, Wales, or Ukraine that advance, they've been penalised by ending up in pot four in many ways because they would have been in pot three, maybe even pot two, depending on on who went through. So they've been a little bit unfortunate with that, although they've got a pretty decent draw out of it as, as well. But, the, Steve, I was a bit worried when they did the in memoriam for all the players that they died that they would possibly also do it for the workers and this was going to be like a four or a five hour show, but they, they didn't mention any of that. Yeah, uh, don't expect it to be mentioned, obviously, but it, it's going to be funny to see how they work around all these other topics uh, during the World Cup, they yeah. uh, they obviously are very expertise because they they've done it for the World Cup in Brazil and other places too, where there were a lot of controversies. But uh, by the time I think the World Cup comes around, a lot of those workers will be uh, taken care of in one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, I saw a headline today as well that the one of the uh, Qatari government ministers had said that they may confiscate rainbow flags as well, because it's a very anti-gay nation. Well, they, they did it for their own protection. They're, they're confiscating for their own protection. That way, they're not... Uh, they said, we don't mind it at all, but other people might mind it, and they might get attacked because of it. So that's why we're confiscating it. Well, but even to say that, it's yeah. like you're, you're basically coming out and saying I mean, our country's I mean, not safe for you to come and visit. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously being funny, like trying to be funny about it. I'm, I don't believe it, that's his real reason why yeah. he wants to confiscate it. I know, but that just makes it, it's like, I, it's not safe. I knew there were issues. I, didn't, yeah. I, I knew there were issues around that. I didn't know it was, I know there were going to be taking away flags and stuff like that. I, did, I have, you know, hanging out with the, the V's last weekend, uh, someone I know uh, from years past said to me, like, yeah, as a woman, I I, I just can't go to this World Cup. Like, I, I just don't feel comfortable for, you know, the like the women's rights issues in the country. And so I just can't go. I want to, but I can't. Well, I mean, you, you saw it in the World Cup qualifiers in Iran as well. The women were allowed to go and they had tickets and then they were refused entry to the oh, stadium. Right, yeah. So they, they were told you can't come in. So FIFA's looking into that as well. And that's one of the countries that's that, that's going to be there. So uh, another potential issue, because I, I was watching a little bit on Sky News today uh, about stuff. They were talking about the accommodation issues. Oh, right. And the government has block booked all the hotels. 
but they haven't actually released them yet. So people that are booking just now are having trouble getting hotel rooms, so they're getting like apartments, Airbnbs, that kind of stuff, and paying through the nose for it. So one of the things that they said that they're going to have for the cheaper end of it is Arabian tents on a beach and you're just going to be living on a on the beach whilst you're at the World Cup. And then the interviewer was like, well, what about the fans that want to be drinking and partying? And the the, the woman that was there said, we will make uh, ways to accommodate these people to, to fit in with everyone's like beliefs, basically. And it's like, Okay, this could get out of hand because then it, it showed you a bunch of, of drunken English fans in a pub after that. And it's like... I'll, I'll never forget. I went to the English outdoor viewing in Gelsenkirchen in 2006 as England was playing Portugal and I went to a shootout. And yeah, the levels of intoxication, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that on mass before. I've also, it was the first time I've seen someone throw up while walking. It was yeah, that was yeah. yeah. I mean, I I know I, I'm saying English there, but I I've got to say the Scots are really bad for that as well, and it's a it's a horrible part of the Scottish culture. It is the drinking part of our culture, and for for so long it's always been oh they're they're happy and they're drunk and like alcohol abuse levels in Scotland is like terrible, and the level of intoxication amongst Scotland fans at home and away games is shocking. It's just for me a, a horrible thing to see but folks just laugh it off because we're more friendly with it whereas a lot of the english stuff then turns to like violence and and things like that as well taking the mood down a little bit here let's let's bring it well, back up steve well i was gonna say that the the fire the, the whole tent thing on the beach kind of reminds you of that documentary about the fire uh uh fire festival fire festival yeah that thing that <laughs> kind of reminds I, you of that so i didn't i didn't watch the documentary was it good no, I didn't watch it either. I just know about it. So I was like, that kind of reminds me of something like that that might turn out to be there, where people just have like basically nothing on the beach. What about the cruise ships? Aren't people like staying yeah, on cruise that, ships? Yeah, they mentioned that as well. There's going to be cruise ships docked in the in the port as well. And it's like, wow. Yeah. Because at the end of, or during or at the end of a pandemic, who doesn't want to live on a cruise ship? Yeah. And I say, I say that as someone who, if it meant I could see Canada play at the World Cup, I would stay on a cruise ship. I, would you stay on a beach in, a, in an Arabian tent? I might. I might. If I, see, I, I use the Cam app and I often listen to like waves and beach sounds because that's what I find really relaxing for, for sleeping. As long as the, the tide's not going to come in and I'm going to wake up washed out to the river because I can't swim. But that aside... Let's get into the draw that Canada did get, and then we'll look at some of the others as well. So Canada, we're in Group F. It's Belgium, Canada, Morocco, Croatia. Four teams that will all fancy their, their hopes of getting through. You've got Belgium, currently ranked number two in the world. Third in, in last year's World Cup or not last year, but the last World Cup. Croatia, 16th in the world. They were runners-up in the World Cup last time around as well. Morocco, 24th in the world, came through their qualification group unbeaten, six wins out of six, and only gave up one goal. So I, I've seen a lot of folk dismissing Morocco as, oh, that, 
That'll be our three points. Now, do, can we get a point from Croatia? Would three be enough, depending on other results? Can we get something from Belgium? I don't think any of these games are easy. But it, it, it's the test that Canada needs. And I cannot wait, Steve. Yeah, the, the, like I was talking about earlier, the reason why I don't think it was it's that bad is because there's certain things that each team have as weaknesses that they can be exploited. Like, for example, Belgium... Belgium, from correct me if I'm wrong on all this, all, all, all my thinking. I'm not 100 percent sure on this. It's just really like what I'm. I, I believe it's true. Belgium, from from what I believe, is like a, a slow starter in tournaments. So, and 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 I think Canada's facing them first, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep. So they could potentially. I'm not saying they're going to beat them, but they could potentially, possibly, like get a draw from that or something like that. They there is a potential. Like, uh, Belgium is and, and Belgium, their backline is not as good. Their attacking is fantastic, and that's where I think Canada's probably going to fall short. But there, there is a potential for like guys like Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David and Kyle Aaron to and, and obviously um, uh, Buchanan to to attack that backline and, and get something out of it. So that's to me. But then on, on the other hand, Canada's kind of it's their first time on a world stage, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out too. So. I talking about Belgium being a slow starter, but Canada could obviously falter. And we saw them in this qualifying tournament how they faltered against their first opponents. Um, Croatia, Croatia to me is like I know they finished first in their qualifying group, but they seem like a very old team. And I don't know, like, like, and obviously they, and it's a long way to December or November. Uh, when they're going to play, so they're just going to get older and older, obviously, as the <laughs> months go on. So, seems like Croatia's dying on the vine. <laughs> yeah. no, it's, just, it's hot weather, and old people aren't good in the hot weather. I know, I know they have a really good player from uh Inter Milan or something like that. I, I'm drawing a blank on his name. I know they're, they, you know, that's a and and they have a good striker, but. Overall, their team seems like they're and past their prime kind of thing. So, and they well, and they, they kind of hit their uh, uh, like the top point being the runners up in the last. Yeah, the the last World Cup was their peak. Last year at the Euros, it was said, "Oh, Croatia's an old team. You can't expect much from them." And they kind of they punched yeah. their weight a little bit there. That's what I'm saying. Like we we kind of come with those expectations. I'm I'm going from like a like the point where you were talking about where people are saying, "Oh, we could beat them. We could beat them. We could beat them." Now Morocco, on the other hand, I was in in fact thinking that we could beat them, but they're uh, they've very had like they're a very solid team. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're not a team that's gonna um, have very many weaknesses um, on their side. They um, and and like you said, they were undefeated and I think gave up a goal in qualifying. Yeah, and that's that's scary. So they're gonna be hard to to break down. And they did really well, I believe. I, weren't they in a really tough group in 2018? I think uh, like the. Uh, who were they on? Like, uh, they were, I think they played Portugal and, and Spain or something. I don't remember who the fourth team was in their group, uh, but they were in a like a really tough group last time, and they actually played really well. I thought I remember them doing really yeah. well in the last World Cup. So they're they're like none of these games are going to be easy, and I I think if you put them in any other group, I don't think any of those games are going to be easy for Canada either. So this is going to be a tough slog for Canada in their first World Cup since eighty six. Yeah. I think it's going to be a, an absolutely cracking tournament, Zach. But, but what did you make of the the draw, the three teams? Yeah, it's 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 a tough draw. I think I don't think it's. I, I mean, there's other groups. I think you would rather have been in. You know, like the the Americans. I think 
Yeah. Or in an easy group. Um, the easiest. No, they're not. They've got Scotland. Scotland's in an easy group. They're in the easiest group. Um, but no, I mean, we can't underestimate the, any of these three countries. And I know we have what seven, seven and a half months to talk about this and look at it. But my first and thought we will be talking all seven and a half months. Exactly. My first thought, and I, I think this is gonna be a crucial thing, is is a speed of play. I think the one thing that Canada has, Belgium has some incredibly talented, gifted footballers who are tactically, uh, technically uh, gifted, uh, really just of the highest quality. Obviously, uh, Kevin De Bruyne and um, Romelu Lukaku stand out, but um, they're they're actually you know the, the Hazard brothers. They have so many more. Uh, Axel Witzel, who's also a little bit older, but they have so uh, Tillmans. They have all these really great. Um, footballers and he's going to get older too yeah but they don't have a lot of pace they're not a quick team and if Canada can defend well and perhaps play on the counter or or even just play a pressing game a a very quick pressing and counter pressing game I I think Canada can really undo them I think Steve you're what you said is true I think I think it's probably in one sense I think it's good they're playing them first uh, to, and, and they're playing Morocco last. I think it might help them to have these tough challenges right away. Um, same thing with Croatia. Yeah, they're getting older. They have they have again quite you know quality through you know, throughout the pitch. Perisic, Modric, um, you know uh, they have a, they have a lot of lot of really good players. Uh, Kramaric, I think. Um, uh, but they same thing. I don't know too many players on their team who are quick, especially in defense. And I think it's something that John Herdman and his staff have these months to figure out how can we use our incredible pace, you know, and it's not just Alfonso Davies or Tejon Buchanan. It's, you know, Richie Larea and Sam Atacube and even Jonathan David. And there's a few others on their team who just have a high, like a top, a top gear that is, it can be a game changer and can be so influential. Morocco, I I only know about a couple of players in the Moroccan team, and one of them is an incredibly fast player named Hakimi, who's currently a PSG, but used to play. He was on loan from Real at Dortmund. He is quality. Uh, Bayern, I think, has tried to bring him in before. Um, he's really really good. He plays right back, right wing back, right midfield. Really good. And then the other player that they have that's, that everyone knows whose quality is Zayic who's on the outs with the coach and, um, you know, currently, you know, but played for Ajax currently plays for Chelsea and he's not a pacey player, but he's quality. Um, but yeah, um, Morocco, I agree with you. Morocco won't be any, any type of a pushover, but I do think that they're there for the taking. And I do think that Herdman can get his players to believe that they can take something from all three of these games. And I think, I think they can. And I, I don't think that's being delusional. Um, no, I really, I really think they, they, they could do something. Um, and the crazy thing is for me, if they get out of the group, there's a chance that the round of 16, they'll be playing the Mannschaft, which would be crazy. Yeah. They're playing Germ- they're, they're, I think they're playing opposite of Germany and Spain, the first yeah. place, second place kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's for, for me, I, I, I agree with what you've said, like the, the pace and the skill of our front line and even wingers, midfielders, 
it, we're difficult to play against. We're difficult to defend against. It's our defensive side, and it's how strong we are defensively, I think, is going to be the make or break in, in this sure. tournament for us. And I do think we will be a bit of a dark horse and that teams will fear us because they're going to not know too much about us before this kind of qualification campaign. And I think we have made people sit up and, and take notice around the world. But when I've got folk in Scotland talking to me about well, I see Canada's ahead of America and Mexico in the qualification. I mean, they're, they're actually having conversations with me about it. Folk are starting to notice Canada. We've got so many skillful players. I'm very curious to see how many players maybe get a, a move to Europe over the summer. Because I know John Herdman is keen to have a number of players playing in Europe that aren't there already. And he feels that's going to be the next stage of development of this team is to get players over playing in the top leagues in Europe. So that could be interesting to see if we get some guys there because then they won't be so much of an unknown because folk are going to be like, oh, look at him, look at him, look at him. So in many ways, it'd be better for us if we don't get the guys to move until after the World Cup and then they, they perform well there and get a move. I, I, think, I think what you see, Michael, is I think you'll see the strong contingent of MLS players, I think you could see some of them. Well, I guess in MLS, they go right to the world cup if they're going to the playoffs, mm. but for those who might not like a Jonathan Osorio or, you know, a, um, a, what's his name? Uh, jo Alistair Johnson or Kamal Miller. If they're not going to be in the playoffs, I could see them even going short-term loans to clubs in Europe. You know what I mean? And then that paves the way for, you know, a, a bio clause in, in January. Well, that's some of our thoughts on the draw. Let's hear a little bit now from John Herdman. He had a, a media conference call after the draw was done. Neil Davidson from Canadian Press asked him just for his thoughts on the draw and the teams that he's got. Here's what he had to say. It was a surreal moment, you know, as a Canadian, but just a football fan, you know, to be able to see your, your team in a pot and then waiting for your team to be pulled out. I mean, I don't know how many years people probably in this country have had to endure that draw and, you know, be there, there ready to support their secondary team. So that, you know, to have our team pulled out and, and just to see that, you know, this is real. You know, Canada's on the big stage now and, you know, we're not just heading to Qatar. We're ready to play in Qatar where we know the teams we've got and we've we've got a wonderful opportunity ahead of us. Everything that came out of that draw was just opportunity for this country. The players, personally, professionally, the team, collectively and, and as a country, what an opportunity. You know, we, we wanted, you know, those type of games. I think you're going to a World Cup, there's no easy matches and I think any team can beat any team on a given day. That's just tournament football. So, you know, I think Belgium, we, we know their quality, players like De Bruyne and Lukaku and what they've done on the international stage. And then the Croatians, who four years ago were the, the finalists. I mean, this is what we want. We want that underdog story. I think we'll be at our best when we rely on our grit, our spirit. And then to bring that, that no fear, you know, that opportunity that exists in them type of games against the best players in the world. You know, people like Alistair, Kamal Miller, Jonathan Azario, Indian boys, you know, get a chance to 
to match themselves, but tell a story in those games. So for us, there'll be a, a no fear mentality and not naive, but no fear coming into this. Just see the opportunities to pioneer for this country and, and get after scoring that first goal for Canada in a World Cup. John Herdman there with his thoughts on the draw. And it, it, it's going to be tough. But as, as Steve said, no matter what group you ended up in, it was going to be tough no matter what. I, I'm excited. I can't wait. But unfortunately, we have to. The first game, November 23rd, away to Belgium. Then November 27th, I was saying away, <laughs> against Croatia. They're all away. And then December the 1st, the final match, Morocco. Three different stadiums Canada's playing in uh, in the tournament as well, so they don't... Any American edition? I think they all are. I okay. saw a little bit again when I was watching stuff all on Sky News about it, and it was showing you... Uh, didn't show you all the stadiums, but it showed you a couple, and the high top-end kind of engineering c- cooling systems that they've got for the pitch. So, yeah, that's certainly going to be interesting but for first of December is the final game and then you're going all the way to just before Christmas it's going to be weird watching a, a World Cup at that, that time of year I, I still don't know how I feel about it I agree with you I I, I don't like but there's nothing really you can do about it because you just no. can't play this in the summer No, and the, the thing from an MLS point of view is and other leagues as well in many ways if it's an MLS-heavy squad, it's better for Canada if the teams that they're on aren't in the playoffs because they could get released just about a week before the tournament, which is what the European leagues are, are going to be doing. So John Herman's not going to have that kind of three, four-week period that you would normally have at a World Cup where you get the guys together and you get to, to work together. He, he did say it'd be nice to have everyone for a whole week in the one place, though. Yeah, he said that would be a luxury or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the preparation that this is is key. And he said, yeah, that that and he's speaking from experience from the women. Obviously, he's done this before for different types of tournaments. And that time right before is the most important. He did say it is important what happens before. And so June, they're gonna have, I think it's like four games in June, right? There's something crazy. Yeah, I was gonna talk about the the things that's coming up because there's a nation league in June. And the, the window allows them one game the, before those that they could yes. fit a friendly in. Yeah. Then you've got the three-game window, for Canada at least, in September. Which he said he wanted to do in Europe. Yeah, so he wants to go over to Europe. But in Europe, it's the European Nations League. And like just picking Scotland as an example, and I'll explain why in a sec, it's like you've got... The, you've got Scotland playing two Nations League games, as all the European countries are. And there's been a bit of debate as to whether Europe has got a two or a three game window. So if Europe's got a three game window as well, Canada could, could fit in a, in a game there. And they're going to want to play against European competition. Yeah. And it could be against a Scotland or an England, because Scotland and England or Wales... I've got the US, so they're going to kind of want a CONCACAF nation. Yep. So, I mean, that could be a, a absolutely fantastic game as well, but it's it's going to be tricky to, to factor in friendlies, but it's what Canada needs because yeah. 
with all respect to these teams that they're playing in June in the Nations League, that's not the test they need heading to a World Cup. No, and that's, I mean, that's one of the things is uh, we've, we've proven ourselves against the best in our region, but going to the World Cup is about playing these other styles and these other, you know, these, these other types of teams. And yeah, it will be a shame if they don't get um, a number of games, a number of games, uh, you know, a number of friendlies in ahead of time to yeah. test themselves. If they just start testing them, against, you know, Costa Rica again, or, or was it Panama or whoever they have in the Nations League? Like, that's that's not helpful. Or, sorry, well, that's not what, helpful. What countries do you think they should play? Like, you mentioned England, and but did they play like Belgium does? Like, should they play the Netherlands or something like that, the Dutch or something as a, in a friendly, in order to get, are they closer to Belgium? Who plays, the, who like, Zach, you would know more than anybody. I, I, like, who plays like Belgium? I don't know, but I was thinking maybe like a Denmark might be nice. Oh, okay. And then for Morocco, I think if you could play some like, I don't know, maybe Algeria or some other North African. Or Egypt. Uh, or t- Tunisia or Egypt. Yeah, I think those would, something like that would be helpful. And would a Slavic, which Slavic nation would be closer to Croatia in style? Serbia or yeah, Slovenia? Yeah. Maybe I mean, Serbia. you've got a lot because you've got like Macedonia, you've got Bosnia. And then there's how much do you want to play teams that are going to the World Cup and how much do you want to play teams that aren't? Yeah, I don't know if you care about which teams aren't going. I think you want to play whoever's closest to that, yeah, that yeah. style and everything. And that's I think well, that's the Well, Michael question. makes a good point that in, Eng- uh, you know, in England, Scotland, Wales would probably like to play a CONCACAF team. And Well, good for uh, them. Find their own CONCACAF team. No, I'm just saying, but that might be a good thing for – like Herdman, I think, could see that as being a really good thing. Yeah, yeah you- but I, I don't see us playing like similar to no, like, no, no, the no. U.S. Like we're we're not a similar team to the U.S. the way we play. No, no but you also got to think it from the CSA perspective. I think that might, might be really yeah. Well, that, that something he said as well was like the sponsorship and the marketing opportunities yes. as well. Let, let's hear a little bit actually from John Herdman just talking about just that very fact. There's layers to this. I think you know it, it can't just be a technical decision. I think there's there's commercial opportunities. There's things that we have to think about that are going to help. The grassroots of our sport, the the coach education in our sport. I mean, this is what this opportunity is. It's it's more than just playing at a World Cup. It's everything that can raise the game in this country, and we want to make sure we use that opportunity in this way. So I'd say June we've got Nations League games, but there's a, a small window right at the front end that gives us a chance to take a friendly game here in Canada. We absolutely will push the to do that. I don't know how many teams want to come to Canada at that time of year. So that'll probably line us up there to head to Europe in the fall. I think that's that's a critical step for this team. We've we've had to play CONCACAF opponents for the last four years on this never-ending World Cup qualification scheme, 20-odd games, which has starved us of the chances to play against the De Bruyne's and help these players really understand what that level looks and feels like. I've said this, I've been involved for 15 or nearly nearly 20 years. And it's that period of time just before the competition starts. That's the most important preparation time. That, that's where we've got to get it right more than anything. So, you know, this period of time, I'll be able to look at my players, test some new players, pick some experiences that will help us understand the levels but then get it right in the lead into our first match. 
So yeah, I mean, Herdman, he, he's talking about this is a chance to showcase Canada and the players and marketing opportunities for, for the team. So they're, they're wanting a high-profile couple of games. I think it's tricky for them to get one in June. That's the problem because I don't know what European nations or what nations really would want to come to Canada to, to play that game. Maybe you can get a South American team. Yeah, maybe a South American team would maybe want to come up or something. I haven't seen what the South American schedule is like in June. COVID in the last couple of years, it's deprived us of these games. And we we talk a lot about the growth of Canada and it's been miraculous, the growth since John Herdman took over. I think we were like 94th and now we're 38th. And you look though at the, the, the last three games that we had. So... Comfortably spanked Jamaica, but we lost to Costa Rica, albeit playing really well and probably should have got something out of it. But that Panama game, as we touched on at the start, Zach, Panama looked good in in that. They had nothing to play for. We made some little changes here and there as well. Rested a couple of guys. I think we were, honestly, I think we were hungover. They might not admit it, but I think there was a lot of celebrating going on between one game and the other. uh, that, like even I believe uh, they were making rounds on TV the next day and stuff like that. Oh yeah, so, John like, Herdman as in particular was like they went they went to the they went to the Raptors yeah. game together. Yeah, um, went to the Raptors game and then there was uh, I think Atiba a and Milligan were on breakfast television in the morning the next morning. Uh, so yeah, I I think they were they were probably well, maybe not hungover for like, alcohol. But uh, like drag, like that that kind of intoxication. Yeah. But they were hungover from the, the being happy about qualifying for the world. But I, I, I okay, I, I, I'm not going to doubt their public appearances or anything. But I don't, I don't know, I don't know, Steve, because like, no, I, 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 I take I take back when saying that they, I think the, I don't mean by hungover, but they were like drinking all night long. No, no, I yeah. mean by like the just euphoria. being happy, yeah, the euphoria and everything like that. It yeah. does take a little bit out of you. Because that that game was really significant, man. Like I, mm. uh, not being in pod three, I think is something. But it's human nature. Thing. It's human nature. You can't you, you can't help it sometimes. But, but that's like, but that's one of the things that John Herbin has been so good at is helping yeah. them focus and helping giving them a vision for what they can be and what they they could be and should be and and it, it feels like at least a small missed opportunity. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but I, I think it also. It is a little bit of self-awareness for us as well in that we're not going to steamroller everyone. And it's like these teams came out and gave us a Costa Rican-Panama, gave us a, a really tough game and we didn't get the job done. So it's a good wake-up call. I know we kind of said in last week's show, you'd say it's a wake-up call and everything like that, but it is. Yeah. And it stops them getting complacent, which is good, but it does also show the weakness that we have. Well, and, and the thing is, the draw against Honduras, I mean, I mentioned that earlier, uh, yes, that draw yes. against Honduras woke them up big time. Well, and totally. they, they, that, that definitely got them into qualification. Totally, yeah. yeah. We, we bookended with poor performances, that's for sure. But, um, Michael, I, I think the Costa Rica game was the, wait, was the wake-up call they needed. I didn't think they needed a second ring of that bell. No, they didn't need it. But, I, I mean, I... I've got to say fair play to Panama on that because they came out to send their fans home happy after what was a, a great start to a campaign that just fell apart for them. And, I and still you can see really their, their fans still wanted it, man. Yeah. Oh, man. And then, then you've also got like Costa Rica 
imagine where they could have been if they didn't have the start that they had. Yeah. They got off to such a slow start and then they finished level in points with, with the US. Crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. But an amazing achievement for this Canadian national team just to be in the draw for the World Cup, just to be sitting here talking about who we're going to be playing at, at World Cup finals. For for so many of these players, it's a, a dream come true. And Steve mentioned there that a lot of them are doing the media rounds as well, after the Jamaica game, after the Panama game as well. I got a chance to jump on a couple of calls this week with Jonathan Osorio from TFC and Mark Anthony Kay from Colorado. So I asked them just uh, about just what their emotions are now that the dust is settled and the realisation is there that they are going to the World Cup in Qatar. Here's what they had to tell me. Hi, Jonathan. Have you had a, a couple of t- days really to reflect on this qualification? I, I know it's been a bit of a whirlwind going to Panama after clinching it in Toronto, but what's the, the emotions been like for you over the last couple of days building up to this draw? No, just pure joy, really pure joy and just proud to even be a part of such an amazing journey um, and part of history uh, with the group of people that we have and the group of people that that I've gotten to be a part of this with is is a blessing. It's honestly a blessing and um, truly grateful, truly uh, amazing, uh, proud to be Canadian and um, yeah, it's, it's 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 been amazing. Obviously, we wanted to to win that game in Panama, but you know when. Uh, when we found out that we 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 topped the of Concacaf and we ch- achieving all of our our objectives from the beginning, which only us within believed in, and and from the outside it was very hard for people to believe in with 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 good reason, but within we always believed that this would be the way that we'd qualify, and and the fact that we've achieved all of that is is incredible, and also and now looking forward, it it just gives us belief that we can achieve whatever we set our minds to. And so going into this World Cup, I know people from the outside see our group and uh, don't give us the best of chances. But of what us, us within within the uh, the team and the group, we know that we can accomplish anything that we set our minds to. Hi, Mark Anthony. Good to to speak to you again. Hey. I just wanted to ask you about your own personal journey. It's been a bit of a whirlwind, obviously, the last week since the qualification in Toronto on Sunday and then going to Panama and now you're back in Colorado. Have you had a couple of minutes to just sit and digest all this and just your own journey from starting off playing in USL, going to MLS, and now you're going to be heading to a World Cup? Um, that's one of my flaws, to, to stop and enjoy the, the present and the moment. So I'm, I'm really working on trying to get better at that. But no, like you said, I, I haven't really had you know, real opportunity to take everything in, you know, and look how far, you know, I've come, but also my teammates, you know, we all have similar stories, but um, yeah, like right now is a, is a great moment for me and, and the team. And um, obviously, you know, if someone had said back, I don't know, six, seven years ago when I was in the USL that I would help qualify Canada to a world cup, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't believe that person, probably me included. So um, it's, it's an amazing time right now and I'm just trying to soak it in as best as I can. 
Jonathan Osorio and Mark Anthony Kay there just talking about their emotions, their own personal journeys from where they started to, to get into the World Cup. So someone like Mark Anthony Kay in particular to come th- like from playing in USL, no one had really heard of him. He'd had looks in Toronto but didn't make it there, went to USL, then got picked up from there at LAFC, big trade in MLS, he's been a key part to this Canadian national team in, in this journey. Just fantastic. And and Mark Anthony said there, he's really bad for not really looking at this and like delving into it and thinking what it is. But hopefully all these guys in the coming weeks do get a chance just to sit and reflect about what a magnificent achievement it is for all of them to, to have done this. Yeah, and I'm hoping that the, uh, a lot of these players, like I know there's a lot of talk about who's coming in, who's going to be on that roster and everything like that. And I'm hoping a lot of these guys do make it, although I still would rather have the best team on the pitch, even if somebody's got to miss out on it. Um, but you know, there was an it's article. Tough. There's there was an article on MLS about who's coming in the you know the 23 and everything like that. Um, and looking at it and looking at the players that are like they, they put on, on the fringe, there's a, quite a few players. This is not this is a very deep team that's even further deep than 23. There's a lot of players that are that are going to mix the cut that could very well be there. Like even they had on the fringe of Liam Fraser, and I thought Liam Fraser is a very good shout, and he's gonna he could potentially take a spot from a Samuel Piet, who I think is good enough to be in there too. So there's gonna be a lot of players that are that uh, that you think would be on the team that are not gonna make it, and it's I hope they I personally hope they expand the rosters to um, yeah. to include some other players like because I, I think COVID's still gonna be an issue. Um, I, I would even like a, like a taxi squad of like seven players. Like, there's no way you can have them unless you, somebody from the first 23 is out of the tournament or something like that through due to a COVID reason or something like that. Injury yeah, doesn't they'll count. They'll definitely have to have a, a taxi squad for for sure. You, yeah. Because like COVID's not going to be disappeared by the by the end of the year. I mean, I, I I'll feel for guys that miss out. Obviously, slightly biased. David Witherspoon being a good Scottish guy, like he played such a key part in the early qualification. Then he's had an injury that's ruled him out at St. Johnston. So he's not been playing. So how down the picking order has he fallen? What's his timeline, Michael? Do we know? He's probably going to be back August for the, the start of the new season. So he, has a, so he has a chance to find form before November. Yeah. I mean, hopefully St. Johnston stay up. It was, nice, it was nice that they brought him to the, the celebration. Yeah, I yeah. I ha, I'd listened to an interview that he did with a, a show back in Scotland, and he speaks so fondly of Canada, and like what it means to play for the country because his mum's from Winnipeg, and it he spoke with a passion, and that's what what you want. So someone like him missing out, it would it would just feel a shame, and other guys as well. What we should do. Just in, in the coming weeks, no big rush to do this. We'll draw up our list of 23 that we would take and then we'll maybe do a little extra podcast or maybe throw it in one of the main shows and we'll, we'll kind of... YouTube. I think, yeah, I think Mike, YouTube I, one. I think, Michael, we should almost have like a monthly update on our... Oh, I like that, yeah. Because fo- players' form is going to change. Yeah. And one of those players, Lucas Cavallini, we'll talk about in the next part because he could be good. Let, let's just round this off just... Very quick chat about the the rest of the draw. Group A, 
was a, a group I wouldn't have minded getting drawn into because you've got Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, Netherlands. We, we won't pick who we think is going to win it or, or whatever. Group B is obviously the one I'm really interested in because it's England, Iran, US, and then the winner of this European playoff, which is going to be Scotland, Ukraine or Wales. I still find it hard that Scotland, Ukraine is going to go ahead in June. And I don't think you can really push it back because there's not a window then for them to 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 do anything there. I, I read an interesting article today. The Ukraine head coach is saying that he'd like to try and assemble a team to go and play friendlies in, in England against the top English teams just to get them ready because he feels Ukraine need five or six games just to get the players even at, at match level because... Football was suspended for players 18 to, I want to say, 40 in Ukraine because they couldn't play, they had to fight. So about two-thirds of their squad are domestic players. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be tough, even if they do get to play in that. So then that could be Scotland v Wales for a place in that group against England, and that is going to be tremendous. And if Scotland get there in a group with England... It's, and with Canada there as well, it's going to be so hard for me not to go. I think I have to. So you're going to tent it up? I don't know. I'm not really a camping person. I okay. I went camping cruise once. Ship yeah. I like the beach. Yeah, but I do like cruise ships. Um, out of the other groups, is there any one that really stands out for you as the one that you're like, oh, I can't wait for those games. They're going to be tasty. Well, for me, oh. obviously I'm excited about the Germany group. Yeah, Germany, Spain, I think is the big first round matchup. Aside from England, Scotland. Plus, it'll they'll be joined by either Poppy or Boxel, so mm. that'll be fun. I watched the New Zealand qualification. They struggled against some of the teams. They just squeezed by Tahiti. Then they thumped Solomon Islands in the final. But it's like they they made a tough run of it, and I'm pretty sure Costa Rica is going to seal that place. For me, um, I, uh, without no, like, I can't really speak to the teams that like the groups that don't have the teams in there yet. Obviously, B is going to be fun. I think the one that's really going to be underrated is going to be Group H: uh, Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, South Korea. Such mm. different styles of play, yeah. and I feel like like almost any one of these two teams, any one of the two teams, can make it through the group. And so, I think that's going to be like a fun group to watch. Every every game is going to be up in the air. I agree with you, Stephen. That's one of the groups that does have a bit of a rivalry, if you will. Like, it's going to be interesting. I know the players are mostly changed, but yeah, Ghana against Uruguay, that the rematch of you know the bite and the or the hand, sorry, the handball. the handball and the and the missed penalty and stuff uh, from 2010, I think it was. Um, that'll be interesting. Uh, that'll be was interesting. it all the way back in 2010? I think it was 2010, wasn't it? Oh, I thought it was, yeah, it was 2014. But... No, it was 2010. It was 2010. No, yeah, 2014 was the bite. Ah, oh. everything he, just blends into one these days. He did. He did. Yeah, you're right. The, the 2010 was the handball. 2014, he did the bite. I, I don't think it was in 2018. I can't remember now. Last yeah, I, I agree with you about the styles and the different. Oh yeah, yeah. that that is going to be an interesting group because it is very very different styles all all round. Oh, oh, one other one is sends out for me is uh, I know people look to Messi versus Ronaldo as being significant, but. Even though Argentina is a, has better a better supporting cast, I'm looking forward to Lewandowski's Poland taking on Argentina. That should be a, a good game. I watched the Poland Swedish game mm -hmm. during the week, and that that was a, a tense affair as these playoffs are. Last thing we'll just say in this part, just about it, 
I don't know if you guys got a chance to see any of the African qualifiers. They were all free to watch on YouTube on the FIFA channel, oh, which was fantastic. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, see, you should read my tweets more. But Cameroon against Algeria went into extra time. Algeria took the lead with, I think, four minutes to go in extra time. And then time wasted beyond belief. They kept going down with cramp. So the referee added on lots of time. And then Cameroon scored the goal that tied it up in extra time. But stupidly, for me, the away goals rule kept in place for extra time. And Cameroon went through with a 124th minute goal. Mm. And what ruined the whole occasion was the commentator didn't know that oh. and thought that they were going to penalties. Oh. So I'm sitting expecting penalties. And then the the Algerian players are like devastated. And I'm like, come on, put yourself up. You've got a shootout to go. And then folk just walked off the pitch. And I was like, oh, that's the game over then. Um, yeah, Chupo Motang's on, on Cameroon. And yeah. For me, I, for me, the, the funniest part was, uh, I did see this little bit, was about the Senegal-Egypt game that was and the penalties. Because I remember the... the laser pointers? Yeah. yeah. And I can't remember like the actual context of it, but I remember me and Zach having a good laugh about Senegal and fair play points. And I'm wondering, in the last World Cup, but I'm wondering if they go minus fair play points going into the World Cup. If they were to start at minus... <laughs> Because I, I can't remember what the context was. I know we had a good laugh over their, their fair play points uh, at that I, point. What I remember, or what, what I read about that as well, is the, the Senegalese fans were like, we only did this because they did it in Egypt in the first leg. And then it showed you bits from the first leg, and there's like maybe four guys with a laser, as opposed to 4,000 lasers that seem to be on... Salah as he took that spot kick yeah, but they, they opened Pandora's spot to Egypt exactly, yeah. opened it and that's when it happens I, I, I hated it I've got to say yeah. I think it's yeah. a bad precedent to set that you don't stop the game yeah yeah and I, I think you might see that happen in the future yeah it's... I think I think you just put like a, a tarp up and just block the end zone if people are going to be doing that just so they can still take penalties yeah but I mean what what a week couple of weeks of football it's been international wise it's just been tremendous it's it's great to have a show that we can talk about this and just i enjoyed our chat just a, a little personal thing to share with you guys and, and the listeners it's like we were chatting a lot during these games and the draw and it it was really good i really enjoyed it yeah and i just i, I, I wish we would have been on video chat for the draw i know i was thinking we should have done that i i had just woken up i was in bed watching it um, can, we, I, can we do one of those mixel things or whatever for the Scotland uh, Scotland Ukraine? Or Scotland yeah. yeah, we should do something for that in June. That's the next big international stuff mm. coming up on the men's side. Don't forget though, the women are coming to BC at the end of this week for a couple of games as well. But that is it for our international chat. We're going to be turning our attention to the club scene next. We'll be talking Whitecaps and MLS and MLS Next Pro. Steve though, has to say goodbye just now. I have to. I have some stuff to do, but I just want to give a uh, quick shout out to the Whitecaps part. Uh, really happy for Raposo on his goal, and also it's very good on Blackman on WrestleMania weekend to uh, bleed a little bit. Uh, that was nice of him to you know prop up a thing. I actually thought he bleeded. I honestly thought he bleeded. That's a, that's a, that was like Ric Flair esque blood coming off his head. 
Uh, but I'm glad he's okay. I don't. He didn't look very concussed to me, so he looked like he was fine. I think they just were being cautious. Mm. Well, if we're talking about wrestling on WrestleMania weekend, just to round this part off, if you haven't seen Ring of Honor, Superstar oh, of Honor, especially the, the Briscoes, FTR, match of the year for me so far, one of the yeah. best tag teams matches you'll ever see. It was just yeah. tremendous. They put it up, and the ending was fantastic with Samoa yes. Joe coming back into the, the, the fold. Spoilers, Zach's not seen it yet. Oh, sorry. Come on, guys. Sorry. Anyway, we'll be back talking Whitecaps after this. Hello, I'm Nick Datsovich. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the first song from our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of April from England. It's post-punk band Susie and the Banshees with a single released in 1980 and taken from their third studio album Kaleidoscope and that was Happy House. I just randomly picked them because I've been listening to a lot of John Peel's old shows that uh, I downloaded his old radio shows from the 70s and I was listening to the 1978 Festive 50 that had a lot of Susie and the Banshees songs in it and I thought, love that band. Let's get some of that their material aired this month. So we're kicking it off with a song called Happy House because it's a happy house here at AFTN Towers the Whitecaps got their first win in Major League Soccer and Whitecaps too got their first win in MLS Next Pro. A shootout win, but still a win. And it's just been a, a, a great week of football, a great day of football. It's going to be a great month of football and a great year of football, Zach, isn't it? It is. It is. Those, uh, those MLS Next Pro uh, players are going to be really great at taking penalties. Well, I mean, when I spoke to Dazzle a, a couple of, of shows ago, he did mention that the guys were really excited that they were going to have games decided by penalty shootouts. So, but yeah, this part, we're going to be looking at the Whitecaps. So let, let's start with Whitecaps 2, because that was the, the first of the two Whitecaps games that was on today. It, they made hard, hard work of it 
for most of the second half, Real Monarchs, or Real Monarchs, as the commentator was no wanting to say constantly. In fact, before we talk about the game, let me talk about the commentator. Oh, I'm sorry. For people that don't maybe know, uh, MLS have decided that they want a lot of the broadcasts kind of in-house or out in New York and out of studios. So it's not people that are at stadiums that's going to be doing the, the commentary. So... I was a bit disappointed in that for a couple of reasons. One, I, I hope to throw my hat in the ring for a little bit of commentary work. But that aside, you want people that know the teams. And this poor guy I was set up to fail, really, in some ways, although his research would have kept on the right path. Because the team lineups came out, and for a number of the Whitecaps players, they had their first names and their second names back to front. So there's a, a defender that plays for Whitecaps too, Simone Massey, who was listed as Massey Simone. Or as the commentator kept going on, Massey Simeone. And he's like, if that name sounds familiar to you, you're right. And I'm sitting there going, it's not familiar to me. That is not his name. Then he started going on about the coach of Atletico Madrid and talked about Simeone for a bit. He talked about Ahmed Ali. And it's Ali Ahmed. Um, and then the, the guy that got the second goal for the, the Whitecaps was listed down as Antoniuk Owen instead of Owen Antoniuk. So it was a little bit of a cluster. Um, yeah. But that aside, Whitecaps 2 not only got their, their first goal in MLS Knicks Pro, coming from the head of draft pick Giovanni Aguilar, who's really impressed me pre-season and in a couple of games so far in MLS Knicks Pro. Really would not be surprised if he keeps this kind of trajectory going that he, he ends up signing to the MLS roster because we need some midfield bite, I think, uh, in the MLS squad. And I think Aguilar brings that. But he headed home at the back post to make it 1-1. Before that, Real Monarchs, the real monarchs, none of these artificial ones that's in the throne in London. <laughs> they took the lead after having gone down to 10 men from a, a second booking. And it was a penalty that, for me, Isaac Bomer was very lucky to stay on the pitch. I think it was a red card. He absolutely clattered the, the monarchs guy in the box, giving away a penalty, got a yellow for it. Monarch scored the penalty, took the lead. But then WFC2 fought back superbly. Aguilar, as I mentioned there, headed home at the, the, the back post to make it 1-1. And then, just as time was running out, a couple of minutes left, Jay Herdman, who had a really good game for WFC2, slotted the ball through to Owen Antoniuk, who finished with aplomb. 2-1, and the joy on WFC2 there. Sheer joy from WFC2. And you, you saw it in the bench, they were all hugging, and you thought, okay, that's it, they're going to see out the game, it's going to be 2-1, they're going to get their first three points. But they gave up a second penalty deep into stoppage time, made the game finish 2-all, and then it went to a shootout. And Isaac Bomer made up for giving away the penalty, two really good saves in the shootout, Caps went through 3-1. For anyone that doesn't know, there will be no draws in MLS Next Pro, the games have to be decided on the day. So if it's level after 90 minutes, it goes to a penalty shootout. 
Whitecaps, one for one in these now, so they, they come away with two points from this game, their first points of the season, and then next week it's their first home game as Timbers 2 come to Swan Guard. I'm looking forward to it, and it's going to just be nice watching Whitecaps again at Swan Guard. Just reminds me of the, the old days. $10 to get in, free if you're a season ticket holder, but it's good for the, the young caps, Zach, to at least get the first points on the board, get that monkey off their back early in the second game of the season. Yeah, happy for them, happy for Dasso. Encouraging signs from uh, the most, arguably the most popular name in Canadian football right, right now, uh, Herdman. Yes. Um, he continues to uh, to do great things for, uh, for our country, and uh, his son is continuing to progress in his development. Um, he, so, yeah. he looks a real prospect. I've I've only seen him play a couple of times. I know, but um, you tell me every time you see him play. Then yeah, he's he's a, he really really impressed me. And when when I was doing my player profiles and I was digging out footage, couple of the goals he scored, absolute galatzes. He has got a hell of a foot on him. Hopefully, he's two feet. Yes. So yeah, Herdman, one of our, a number of players in WFC2 to keep an eye on. And you can do that, as I said, if you get out next Sunday and take in all the action. So that was the first bit of good news for the Whitecaps on Saturday evening. And then a few hours later, well, one hour later it kicked off. More good news coming out of BC Place. The Whitecaps got their first MLS win of the season. Unbeaten now at home in 2022. I know it's a short sample size. I'm trying to get all the positives out because it has been a tough couple of weeks watching the Whitecaps. It wasn't a classic game. No. But three points is three points. And as a confidence booster, it's what they really, really needed. Yeah. I mean, there are, and we'll probably talk about it a little bit. It was, like you said, not a classic. It was not an exciting or a really engaging match to watch, in in my opinion. But... As you as you are fond of telling us, Michael, it doesn't matter if you win one nil and it's ugly and whatever, dirty or not enjoy not easy in the eye. It doesn't matter. It's still three points. And I agree with you that this will be uh, a significant um, morale boost for Vanny and for uh, for his players. Uh, one of the things that ca- caught my eye, I assume it caught your eye as well, was uh, the approach that that Vanny took because he. He did, um, he like set out his stall not to play nice football, it felt like. Yeah, well, I mean. Or, or to give some other players a, a chance or to, it, he looked like he wanted, it looked like he was more defensive, right? When you, when you have Guti and Dahomey, who are supposedly your number one, you know, wingbacks on the bench, it felt like they were going to, they were trying to be, you know, more, more defensive. Yeah. What you do want is when guys are coming in, you want them to, to seize that their opportunity and Ryan Raposo most certainly did that because apart from being the the match winner, he, he was quite lively in that second half, and anything that was getting created from the Whitecaps seemed to involve Raposo in, in some regard. Well, and maybe just as important as that is he was on what is Kansas City's most dangerous side, where Johnny Russell plays. And so him between him and Jake, and I, I, I messaged you guys before the game that it'll be interesting to watch what happens when you have Raposo and Jake up against Johnny Russell, because I really thought Johnny Russell might be able to take advantage of that, but he and his teammates definitely were were, were unable to do so. Yeah, I, KC 
like I watched their game last week and then they got Russell and Salary back and you're like, uh oh. And they, they looked good last week, but it, it needed a late goal for them to get the points. They're still not firing on all cylinders. So actually this is a has been a great time to to get them. If we look at the lineup, Ryan Gold, Brian White came back in. We were told both of them couldn't go the whole game. Yeah. And and White in particular, he had, they thought, 45 minutes. They could maybe push it. Gold an hour, they could maybe push it. White was lively in that first half. Um, oh. Very lively as he nearly took Melia out when he, he yes. went in on that. But he's entitled to go for that, to me. Yeah. I know keepers get a lot of protection, but he was fully in, entitled to, to go for that. But he had a bit of a spark. It was nice to see him back. And it's going to take a couple of weeks, I think, really, for Brian White to to get his levels up to, to what we saw at times last year. Ryan Gold is still not Ryan Gold. There's still a little bit there that he's he's still got to recover. But again, it's to be expected if he's been carrying a knock for a while and then has sat out for for a bit as well. But it was good to see them back in. And the chemistry really wasn't there, though, I felt, between them and, and Caicedo. Yeah, not with Caicedo. But, that I mean, the one thing is, when you had Gold and White together for Vancouver, they were more lively. They created more chances, more half chances, and you felt like they had at least a threat. Like, that great pass in from, I think, Gold sort of laid it off for, I think, Caicedo. And Caicedo put across the box that you were talking about where White went in on Melia. Like, yeah. Like you just there was a few moments like that where you're like, this is a different team with Brian White in semi full stride, you know, or like near his best, you know what I mean? Like they, they felt dangerous, more dangerous I think, than they have all year, in my, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I mean, that said though, that was the only real thing of note in the first half from a, a White Cats perspective, and the only thing I jotted down from a KFC perspective was. Kyrie Shelton fired one just left of the, the post that didn't even really trouble Hassal 14 minutes yeah. in. That was the first half. There was like no goal threats. There was no corners. There was there was very little going. And I thought, is this going to be a, another nil-nil at, at BC Place? But second half was, it, it was more enjoyable. Uh, it had a lot more life uh, about it and, and some talking points as well. And KC, I guess, had the first chance. Saloy had a, a shot that forced a, a low save out of uh, Hassal. And then for, for those of us that have the Cavallini booking bingo... <laughs> um, Wait, I, three minutes. Less than three minutes. Yeah, I wrote down. It's, it's even worse than that. It's less than two. Is it? Yeah, because he came on 57-25. Oh, he got oh. his booking 59-23. Wow. Yep, 118 seconds. And you felt that was a booking, right? It says, by the letter of the law, you're blocking a free kick getting taken, the referee's entitled to to book it. It was soft. I, I think it was a bit harsh. Is it like, do you think partially reputation? I don't know, because I, I, I did think that at, at first. And then, because uh, that was well, that was the last thing I saw before I left to to yeah, go yeah. to the the Imperial Cup. So I watched it when I got back home. Where where I started from again, I think it was very harsh to to pick that up because Cavallini felt that the play was already underway. 
so he had put himself in front of the ball. So I think that was harsh. And I know we were just like ragging on him there, but what I will say is I thought Cavallini was excellent in that second half when he came on. I thought he put himself about well. He was involved. He he had a part to play in the winning goal. He looked so delighted when the when Raposo scored as well. And like we, we talked uh, on last week's show, Zach, about the fact that the, the Canada Cavallini is the Cavallini we need to see at the Whitecaps. And there was glimpses of that today. Now, obviously, he's your DP striker and you want him in the box. And I think the best work that Cavallini did today for the Whitecaps wasn't in the box. It was outside of it. Yeah. But I thought, he, I thought he had a really good game. Yeah. you. I mean, you can see, and I think Vancouver fans will hope to see for the, in the months ahead, uh, Lucas Cavallini, who knows that if he does not perform, he will not be on the plane to Qatar. Like, yeah, this, um, this is, it was weird. He didn't get credited for assist because I'm pretty sure he touched that ball, which in my opinion made it offside, but that's another story. But like, yeah, he, he knows he has to contribute in significant ways. And because his biggest dream is on, is on the line. And so uh, hopefully he will be inspired. He will be, um, you know, up for it. He will, have that extra determination and motivation to contribute um, because he, he does, he has the skills, he has the abilities uh, to make good plays. And like, yeah, whether, I mean, obviously I think Vanny and former coaches would have preferred him to contribute in the box, but I think Michael, even if he's contributing out of the box, that, that, that can help. Yeah. And like Herdman's clearly a, a fan of Cavallini and what he offers the team. And he knows that he is a, a guy that he can, rely on in the sense that he knows what he brings to the table and he's experienced but he does also know that he can be a bit of a card machine yeah and as much as we joke about it and there's an element of us being genuinely concerned when when we're joking about it as well but in a world cup you can't afford to have a guy that's going to be picking up cheap bookings no not at all that that's that's what the danger I, I fear a little bit for him too that I think the Panama game was also John saying go out and show me that you deserve to be in this this team and I don't think he was really great in that in that, the parts of the game that I would no play. yeah um, but because here's the thing I mean John's also said I think on TSN on on Friday in the draw said that uh you know the 23 or if FIFA will allow us to bring 26 because I think of the euro they were allowed 26 because of the pandemic. Or whatever, yeah. right? So th- that's a, that's a, that'll be a factor for Kava, I think, too, because I, you know, in the last year, I was talking to someone uh, in uh, Canadian football circles uh, who has a, an opinion I, I uh, highly value. <laughs> and they were just saying, like, look, count how many attackers Canada has. How many can you bring to the World Cup? Mm-hmm. So the number they were talking about was seven. And they were kind of like, I think there's probably seven attackers that would Herdman would rank ahead of ahead of Cavallini. So I, it is, I was, it is a legitimate concern. I was having that conversation actually with uh, our photographer Tom j- just the other day as well about it. And for me, Cava, if you're ranking the players from one to twenty six or one to twenty three, and you're giving each of them where you would be in the squad as, yep, they're like Afonso Davies. He's number one. Milan Borja and Atiba Hutchison, they're all like in the, 
your yep. top five names that you'd write down first. For me, Kava is in the 20s. Yeah, yeah, easy. And it's then working out whereabouts in the 20s. So a 26-man squad would be a huge boost for him. But the, the way that gets him in the squad, and we keep saying this, is he has to perform at club level. I, I hope he does, because I, I like what he can offer when he's putting the ball in the net. And I, I like a player that's got an aggression and an aggressive side to them. But he has to learn, and he keeps saying he will learn, but he can't change his game. And it, it's it's something that if you're scoring goals, I think fans are a lot easier to say, oh, he picked up another book in there, that's okay, as yeah. long as you're scoring. But if you're not scoring, fans then use that to beat him over the head, which is a bit unfair because he he had a big contribution today. Looking at the who scored ratings, he got a 6.8, which was... Like for a sub coming on, it was pretty good. He got a higher rating than Gold got for the game, and the mm. same rating as Caicedo, and a better rating than White. Fingers crossed that we can get him in a bit of a run now. He's not going to be going away with Canada now until June, so it's a a big chunk of games he can get under his belt. And if we can get a Gold, White, and Cavallini front three going, clicking chemistry, what we saw last year, I think that's an exciting. T- an exciting time for the Whitecaps and, and for fans to, to watch a more exciting brand of football as well. Yeah, that's true. But let's just round off the, the stuff from the game. I, I, a key moment came in the 65th minute. Casey had a really good chance in front of goal, Espinosa, and he kind of fluffed it. If he'd got a clear connection on that, I would have fancied him to, to put it in the back of the net. Skied it over though, so it was a bit of a let off for the caps there. Then three minutes later, Tiber had a, a shot that whizzed wide as well. But the goal did come, 73rd minute, Ryan Raposo, as we talked about, talked about Cava. Cava started that with the ball over the top to Raposo. Mm-hmm. And then you had a lovely little chip from Baldy. Bit of confusion in the KC box. If I'm a KC fan, I'm not happy with giving up that goal defence-wise, it was terrible defending. And there is certainly a potential element of offside in it. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's clearly, it's offside. I mean, I know MLS does their VAR in a certain way, but I think that the only angle that you can, that I could see it, it that they showed is it's it's offside. Um, I know they don't use the lines and they have their approach and whatever, but uh, to me, it looked like Ryan was past the defender's. Uh, I think you could see the defender's foot uh, behind Cava, and it looked like he was he was past that. Uh, I'm really surprised. I'm sure Kansas City will have words for the league after they watch the tape because, yeah, for if that's the Bundesliga or the Premier League or one of the leagues where they use the line thing, I'm pretty sure that that's not not a goal. Um, but and I will just say though, I'm very glad that MLS don't use that because I hate it. Uh, if you I, if you need lines to decide it, it for me it, it's just ruining the game. I, I, I'm on the opposite end of things. I think oh. watching so much Bundesliga, like it's so smooth and so quick, and they, actually they don't even show you the line until after they they told you what the decision is. So it's not like you're sitting there all oh, being like oh whatever. They show you this is how we made the decision after the fact, um, and it's it's not seamless, but it's they do it really well in the Bundesliga for the most part. I really enjoy how they. Again, 
um, you know, not, there's, there is a time or two where it's frustrating, but on the whole, I really appreciate how they, they've, they've used it in the, yeah, in the Bundesliga. But um, the crazy thing is how, how, the, how Kava doesn't get an assist. He, he, um, he oh, for, I, for, from the ball out to Raposo to start with. No, 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 no. The ball comes over here. I, I, I thought it touched Kava, like his knee. Hmm. I, I know some, some people think that some people think it touched the a defender. defender. Yeah, Steve I had mentioned it, that in the in the chat. I thought I thought it was. Uh, I thought for sure it was Kava's leg. It, it was scrappy, no matter what, and it was poor defending. But who cares? Because it went well, in the back of the net, and I'm delighted for Ryan as oh, well yeah, because he's been a guy that's been out in the fringes, gets given his opportunity today, grabs it with more than both hands. And surely has earned a, a start next week as a result of it. If, if I'm wrong, and it did touch the defender's leg, then it is onside. But to me, the angles I've seen of it looked like it touched Kava's knee or quad or something. But like the initial ball from Kava out to Raposa was great. And the little yeah. chip in from Baldy as well was was good. So yeah, it, nice, it, nice to see him contributing again. Yeah, I, I, I thought exactly the same thing. It's like, this is a big season for him. And he kind of needs to take a, a step forward and a step on. And if, if we can get more contributions like that from him, fantastic. But I mean, after that, though, I thought the Caps saw out the game pretty comfortably. They even had a chance Caicedo fired one in the side netting as well a couple of minutes later. But they weren't really under any threat. It was another clean sheet for Thomas Hassal. And I mean, I said it earlier, it's, it's obvious really. But I mean, it, it's the confidence booster that they needed. It's nice to see them come back from an international break where they've actually worked on stuff and they, they look good and they look sharp. And the the win, it's only moved them to second bottom in the West. There's still a long, long way to go. San Jose are still, for me, the worst team in the West by a mile. But it's, it's baby steps. And next week will be a, a big test with Portland coming to town. Yeah, that's the thing though. Can I can't see them doing what they did today against Portland and having much joy. No, they definitely would need different tactics or, or something going on there. I mean, today, case the the, the possession was pretty much fifty fifty. It was fifty two point six to forty seven point four. Vancouver had more shots than KC, twelve to eleven. KC had more on target, forty three, but the, there wasn't. There was nothing from KC that really impressed me. And then before we were recording, I, w- I was telling you what Peter Vermees's comments were. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit surprised with them because I it, it felt like I was watching a, a slightly different game from, from KC because he said that KC's game plan was executed to, to perfection apart from them not taking their chances and getting goals. Did he use the word perfection? No, his, his exact okay. words yeah. were, um, we took advantage of the things that we talked about. We actually did. We just need to score the chances. We had some very good chances that we didn't execute in the final shot in a good technical way, or we were just too slow on the trigger. Yeah, I think that's... Like tonight was scoring goals. That's the bottom line. I think they lacked a lot more than that, though. The, the, uh, yeah, I agree with you that they lack a lot more, but I think what he's saying is there's positives they can take that he as a coach can take away from the game in terms of his players following what 
he wanted them to do. There were certain things he wanted to take advantage of in how Vancouver plays, and he felt like they they did. They just couldn't get, get good enough chances or finish the ones they had, which I think we, we all saw. Yeah. Now, we're not going to do our usual MLS roundup because I have been out all day and I've not had a chance to to watch any of the the games or the action at all. But just to give you the scores from Saturday that affects the Western teams, Dallas drew 0-0 at Chicago. From a Canadian point of view, Montreal beat Cincinnati yeah. 4-3. Cincinnati, <laughs> oh boy. Um, and Alistair, Alistair Johnson scored an own goal and Kai Kamara scored a goal in that game. Oh, did he? Yeah. I'll look forward to those highlights. Toronto got a 2-1 win over defending cup champs NYC. Starting to string a, a few things together. Their the goals look nice. Nashville, 1-0 win over Columbus at Columbus. Then LAFC 4, Orlando 2. I've got that game on the PVR, I believe. Yeah, it was not a bad one. The Clit got beat 2-0 by Philly, who are flying at the moment. They've had a fantastic start to the season. 13 points now from their, their five games, unbeaten, looking really, really good at the, the top of the East. San Jose did get a point today in a 2-0 draw with Austin. Austin were up 2-0. Oh, San Jose's come back a couple of times this year. So yeah. for, for me saying how bad San Jose are, they at least do have some fighting spirit and it's like a never-say-die approach. But Goonies never say die, Michael. It's not quite the Goonies, because at least the Goonies usually got wins from these things. I, I don't know when San Jose's first win's coming. When, when do they and play the Whitecaps? The, the Goonies are also in Oregon. but ah. The movie took place in Oregon. Seattle, 2-1 win over Minnesota. And yeah. in the Rocky Mountain Chocolate Cup, it was Colorado 1, RSL 1. Yeah. Houston, 3-1 win at Miami. Quintero got, got a goal and uh, Fafa Pico, I think, got a brace. And then there's one game on Sunday, which is going to be Portland and LA Galaxy. But how the West is looking just now, out on top, LAFC still unbeaten for the season, 13 points from their five games played. RSL second on 11, Austin third on 8, Dallas fourth on 8, Colorado fifth on 8, Houston sixth on 8, Minnesota seventh on 8. So a big logjam there, five teams on eight points. Then there's two and seven, Seattle and Nashville, LA Galaxy and KC and Portland are on six, Vancouver in 13th and four, and then pulling up the rear, it's San Jose Earthquakes. But the, the Portland game next weekend, just to finish our Whitecap chat, it's the first Cascadian derby of the season. Portland's impressed me at times this season, but again, it doesn't feel like they're fully firing on all cylinders. We're obviously recording this before the the Galaxy game, but I've seen I've seen chinks in their armor. I've seen little weaknesses that if the Whitecaps can have almost a perfect game, you might even want to say, then they, they could maybe exploit that a little bit. But it's it's going to be tough. I mean, I would imagine there'll be some changes. Probably in the back line because one thing we didn't talk about there was Tristan Blackman went off with a oh yeah a, a head knock and there was a concussion protocol made with oh, yeah. Youngworth coming on. He was bleeding, man. So I, I didn't see the cut, but it, there was a, a significant amount of blood. So I mean, it's it from Ranko too. I wonder if I have to give Ranko a check. Yeah. So I obviously 
speculating wildly just now because you don't know how it's going to be over the next week. But, I mean, that could rule him out next weekend. I would imagine you then just would, like, slot Youngworth in because I don't think we're ever going to see Eric Godoy for weeks to come by the, by the looks of this. It was nice when I was watching the, the World Cup draw video that the White Cats put out. I was like, there's Eric Godoy, I remember him. Yeah, hopefully we'll see him soon. So a quick prediction for you for next weekend. I can't see Portland not leaving with all three points. or I guess I, I see Portland leaving with all three points. So I'll say 3-1 Portland. I'll go 2-1 Portland. Portland, uh, while we were while I was away too, Michael, uh, they, I don't know if you were keeping track, but uh, the um, they now have three bicycle kick goals on the season. Well, that is it for our White Cats chat. That is it for our MLS chat. And that is pretty much it for this episode of the show as well. But there's still time to bring you this week's wavelength. So since we're all in a World Cup mood at AFTN and throughout Canada and the world, I guess, after the draw on Friday and all the excitement building up to it, I thought for this episode's wavelength, I'd go with a FIFA-themed song. And it's by a group that we featured before, Keshko, a band from London. This is a track from their 2014 album, World of Football, and it's called FIFA Broadside. Stop what you're doing to the beautiful guy Your legacy will be in the main shine From 2014 there, Keshko with her song FIFA Broadside, having a dig at FIFA. And if you listen to the lyrics there, hard to disagree really. So that is it for this show. We will be back midweek as a CPL special to celebrate the start of the new Canadian Premier League season. We've got some fantastic interviews to, to bring you with some head coaches from around the league. So watch for that to drop in your podcast feeds Maybe Wednesday evening, maybe Thursday. We'll see when we can get everything all finalised on that. Season does get underway in the CPL on Thursday as York take on Edmonton. 
Can't wait for it. It's going to be another great CPL season, I am sure. Just before we go, though, Zach, any final thoughts, anything you've learned this week, and anywhere that people can find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary AM, and I'm excited for the World Cup, Michael. I'm very more, I'm, I'm more, more, I get, I'm more excited by the World Cup every day. Can, oh, if you're that excited now, can you last seven months? I can. I, I think we'll have to just have some World Cup tournaments on some of the retro soccer games that I have. And on FIFA? Although, actually, FIFA doesn't have the team. I'm terrible on FIFA, so <laughs> I'm Perfect. not Perfect. much better on these other retro games either, but we'll see. Remember, you can give Steve a follow on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. I'm Michael McCall. You can follow me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. And give us a like, subscribe, turn on notifications on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. If you enjoy the show as well, please leave us some nice words, a nice review, some thumbs up, whatever you want to do on the podcast review feeds. That would be very much appreciated. Always help with the algorithms as well. What I learned this week is you should never get your hopes up because a couple of weeks ago, I got my hopes up that East Fife were not going to get relegated. They'd closed an eight-point gap. They were looking good. They were on a run. And now they can't score to save their lives. They're seven points adrift with four games to go. It looks over for them. Hope is what kills all football fans. Hopefully we're not saying that come December after the World Cup. Like Zach, I can't wait. But we'll we'll fill your hole until that time comes around and we will be back soon to do just that. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the caps and allez la rouge. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.